Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. See, there's that inexperience being up here part. I don't know what goes on some days. Um, but thank you for letting me know. I get this, hey, hey. Um, so, beyond that, so I've been here for, I, I have no idea how long. There are probably other people that could tell you that. Um, definitely way back into the Danbury days. So, uh, beyond that, uh, a lot of my time here I've spent uh, working with the students. So right now my kind of main job around here is teaching the junior high kids. Uh, I'm also someone that plays an instrument up here on the stage sometimes. I play bass up here. And I'm a member of the board of the church as well. So I'm kind of all over the place doing a lot of things. Um, another thing about me, so my wife Kirby is at home with our three kids right now. Uh, and I need to say hi to them. So hi Jackson, hi Ezra, and hi Lincoln. I promised them that this morning before I left. So if I'm not a man of my word, I'm nothing, right? So, um, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. So you know kind of who I am. So I have one small announcement this morning. So if you are a person that pays close attention to detail, you probably already noticed this. But I had to be told because sometimes I don't notice these things. Out in the lobby, uh, there used to be uh, some pictures on the wall of a bunch of people with you know, things underneath them and everything. And we've decided to change that and go with a prayer and praise wall out there. So out there, there's all kinds of different like Bible verses and, and quotes and things like that where there used to be pictures of faces. And beyond that, Below, you'll kind of see there's some corkboard strips as well with push pins in them. There's some supplies up to the right of it, I believe. So if you've got prayer, if you've got praises, anything like that, write it down, add it to that wall, and it will be prayed for. So I want to let you know that's there in case you didn't notice it. So another thing about me, I am a person who I just do a lot of things that aren't the smartest. In sometimes it's not that they're mean things or they're not mean at all they're just things I'm like why did I do that anybody else do that sometimes it's not, not they're not even bad things you're just like what what was I thinking and then if somebody looks at you they're like what was he thinking right so I'm gonna tell you about a couple of these things that I've done and among my friends these things are things that they go yeah remember when you did that I'm like, yeah I do yep so we all remember it so number one, there was a time at my friend's house, my friend Dan, I was uh, climbing up on a ladder because we were putting up Christmas lights at his house. And uh, some of the light bulbs were out, and you know how you gotta like look through and check them all, right? And I was like, oh, I'll help you out, I'll find it. So the lights are plugged in, mind you, so you know where this is going. Um, I'm looking, looking, I'm like, oh, I found the one that's out. It was broken, right? Bet you can't guess what I did. Oh, I totally just grabbed it to try to put that bad idea. No, that hurt, yeah. So I got, you know, that, that was one dumb thing. Like, wh why would I do that? I know how electricity works. I've, I've been around long enough to understand that. I'm not a kid. So, you know, I got shocked. I said some things I maybe shouldn't have said and yelled in the neighborhood, but it was fine. So uh, th three of these involve electricity. This is, I should not. Um, so I, I was at my friend Chris's house, and we were tearing out some drywall in his kitchen. So, you know, one of the first things you do before you tear out drywall you know those like things that are on the wall that cover up the plugs? You know the outlet covers? You should take those off. 
Um, so we were like ripping this drywall off, man. That thing like ripped the plug out of the wall, sparks everywhere, and it was my fault. So we were like, oh, guess we gotta replace that, huh? So there was a broken plug at my parents' house growing up. Like, you know, when you plug something into the, the socket outside or something, then the little prong breaks off the extension cord. So I see that in there, and I'm like, oh, man, somebody's got to get that out of there. And I thought it was like a piece of mulch because, you know, I'm not that smart, right? And I just grabbed it. That was a great idea. I hurt as well. Um, and the last one, again, Christmas lights. We're bookending here. I was at my parents' house growing up. I was in high school. My room was above, like, the porch, which had, you know, a, a first-floor roof on it. So, you know, again, Christmas lights, they aren't all working. I'm trying to figure it out. Walking, walking. And it was like Wiley Coyote, you know, when he steps off of a cliff and there's just nothing there. Yeah, that was me. And I was like, oh, huh, there's nothing here. And then I just remember seeing the window that was below me go, oh, there it is. And I landed in the mulch, kind of rolled and walked back in the front door, walked back upstairs and finished what I was doing. So I, I've, I've done these you could call them dumb things or silly things or, I mean, thankfully I never got hurt. I'm, God must be looking out for me because I, not one of those situations that I get injured at all other than, oh man, that kind of hurt. Like, I, I don't get it. So the point of telling you these things is to show you that I've, I've done some things in my life that definitely are not the smartest. And the one thing that all these stories have in common is I didn't think about what I was doing before I did it. Right? If, I'm, if, if I am a responsible thinking adult and I look at an outlet and I see a piece of metal sticking out of it, I should think, hey, maybe you shouldn't touch that with your bare hands, right? Like, it's just, we would all probably think that, but of course I didn't. So, and, and the reason that I did these things is because I wasn't thinking, I wasn't paying attention. You know, thankfully, I didn't get injured, thankfully, everything was fine, um, but I've done countless other things that are not smart. If you know any of my good friends, they could tell you many, many stories of dumb things I've done. And that's just part of what I do sometimes. I have to recognize that I got to take a step back and think. I, I promise I'm a reasonably intelligent person. I, I really do. But just sometimes it just, just gone. So, so just like I can't take back any of these actions, I can't change any of these things that I've done. There are a lot of things I've said in my life that I can't take back. I've said mean things to my wife. I've yelled at my kids. I've been short with people at work. I'm not proud, with any of, proud of any of those things, but I can't take them back. They've already been said. They're, they're gone. They're out there. It's happened. On the flip side, I've said some really, really nice things to my wife. I've blessed my kids with the way that I've talked with them. I have encouraged people through really difficult things at work. Can't take those things back either. So today what we're gonna talk about is the power of our tongue and how important it is. So when I was writing this, um, anytime I put a lesson together for here, it has to go through a couple people. They want to look at it to make sure I'm not saying anything that's ridiculous and really just to check it for quality to make sure that, hey, you're right on. And I asked Denise, I was like, can I bring in some little weights and try to lift them with my tongue? And she said no. So I think she saved me 
from a dumb idea, and she helped me think. I wasn't actually going to do that, I promise. Maybe. <laughs> I do teach junior high kids, so those kind of things work there. So the big idea that I want you to get across today, and this is something that when I teach the students here, we always start off with, here's the big idea. Here is what I want you to see from today. And then we'll go into how it all works and, and kind of go through that. So what I want you to understand and really what I want you to get from today is you can't take it back once it comes out. Be careful. So I'll say it again. Can't take it back once it comes out. Be careful. So there's tons of analogies out there about it. You've probably seen them online, wherever you've been. You know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. You also say sticks and stones can't break my bones, but they do, right? The Bible has tons and tons to say about our tongue and the true power it has. Like, if you just go on BibleGateway.com and search the word tongue, there are pages and pages and pages of things where it just refers to your tongue. And we could talk about it for weeks on end. We could do a, you know, so much about our tongue and the power it has and how we need to deal with it and what the Bible has to say about it. But I've only got one week and not a ton of time. So last week, Ryan talked about fasting, right? Mastery of your tongue is no different than mastery of other parts of your body, whether it's your stomach or something that you're doing that you need to stop doing or keep doing to get closer to God. It's no different. It's a discipline. So it's work. It takes constant thought, constant control. So going back to fasting. So those of you that, that participated in that uh, a couple days ago, I want you to think about your fast. Was it as bad as you thought it might be? Was it as difficult? Was it harder than you thought it was going to be? What did you get out of it? Where did you go? Did you get closer to God? Did you just stay the same? And what I want you to do with that is one of two things. Uh, either leave a comment on Facebook and talk about your experience, because we want to hear how it went for you. Or there's papers, I believe, in front of you in your chairs, unless you're on the front row. You don't have one, sorry. Um, take a minute to, to write your thoughts down, write your notes down, and you can either pin it on the prayer and praise wall, or you can put it in one of the seed boxes. There's one there, one there, and there's one in the lobby. So put it in there. We would love to hear from you about how that went for you, what you learned from it, and, and how that challenge worked for you. So we're going to jump in now. We're going to look at the book of James, book of James chapter 3. And that's where we're going to spend basically the entire time today. So if you're a, a phone Bible person or a physical Bible person, you can go ahead and, and start to get to that, that area if you want to follow along, or it'll be up on the screen. So I want to give you a little bit of background on James and who he was. So the person that wrote this book is thought to be the same James that was the brother of Jesus. Now, this James, he wasn't really on board at first with Jesus. He was like, dude, you're my brother, but seriously? And it kind of took him a while. So, but once he got there and, and he wrote this letter, you look at it, and it is one of the most dense books that you could read in the Bible. It's not very long. It's like five chapters or something. Don't quote me on that because I could be wrong. Um, but it is not long at all. And it's also 
a book that when people are starting to read the Bible, it's one of the first ones that, that you kind of go to. Because, you know, you have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell about the story of Jesus. But then what James gets into is like how we should live. And so he spends a lot of time in chapter 3 talking about our tongue. And it's a heavy, meaty section of the Bible. And in James, the entire book is dense. And so I want you to keep that in mind as we're going through this. We're going to go through this section of Scripture and kind of break it down piece by piece and talk about it. So, James 3, verses 1 and 2 is where we'll start. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. All right, so we are getting right into it here with James. So he is kind of starting to call people out that are responsible for what they say and where their influence is great. Has anybody in here ever had a teacher? Oh, good, everybody. This is great. We can all relate. No matter how old you are, you can think back to teachers that you had growing up, how they influenced your thought. You could probably name several, either good or bad, that you're like, oh, that teacher was great. They taught me X, Y, and Z. I can tell you there was a teacher I had. It was like sixth or seventh grade. His name was Mr. Newkirk. It was an English teacher. The first thing he ever told us was writers notice details, and he made us learn how to notice details. I remember that. He had great influence, and it's been, I don't know how long ago, because remember I said I'm bad with years. So, and any of you who's in a teacher, any of you in here who are teachers, whether it's a, a teacher by profession in a school, somebody that teaches here at the church, somebody who trains people at work to do something, think about what you do. Think about how much responsibility you have for those people. You're accountable for what you say to those people because what you say directs them one way or another. It's super important. So my role here at the church involves a lot of that. Every week I teach a lesson to our junior high kids. That is a great responsibility. When I come up here, it's a great responsibility because I have all of you plus everybody online listening to what I have to say. I take it super, super seriously. It, it's something that when I get into it, I'm, okay, here's what I have to do, here's what I have to say, this is where we're gonna go. And if I do well, it's great. If I go through what God wants me to go through, awesome. But if I don't, that's a, a big miss and it can cause a lot of damage. And so teachers are super important. Leaders are super important. But teachers and leaders are also super accountable because they have so much power and so much sway to push people one way or another. And so they do that with their tongue, period. That, that is most of what I have here is what I say, right? And if I'm not doing it right and if I'm not following what God wants me to say, it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. So... Also, understand that no teacher is perfect, because it says right here, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Well, I will volunteer right now that I am not perfect. So there may be some things I say sometimes that you're like, what in the world? 
I'm not perfect. I'm going to have a misstep. I'm going to mess up. But I'm responsible for that. So let's, let's roll on to the defined power of our tongue. Verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. See what I said about James being kind of meaty? I mean, I, I don't know what it is if, if that isn't. So again, if you've ever driven a car, um, you can identify with this analogy. There's a little thing that sits in front of you in the car. It's called your steering wheel. That is what makes the whole car go wherever you need it to go. Compared to the car, steering wheel is very small. But without it, you're in big trouble. Huge trouble. What would you do if you didn't have one? And you were just driving and it was gone. You'd be calling me at work. Um, I work in insurance, so that's, that's what I get. Oh, my steering wheel fell off when I was driving. I've never seen that happen, by the way, so don't worry. But it would be a bad day. You would be in a car accident if you didn't have a steering wheel. And your steering wheel also dictates where your car is going to go. You move that tiny wheel, your car goes that direction. Our tongue is the same way. But it has the power to set everyone around you on fire. That can be on fire in a good way or in a really bad way. We can destroy things with our tongues really easily. We can demean, we can insult, we can break down and just end other people. We can do that with our tongue. As people who are led and influenced so much by words, this can happen. That's why people who teach and lead are held to a higher standard, because of all the things that a tongue can do. Their sway can change the entire course of a situation. So I'm going to kind of give an example of this in, from a classic movie from 1995, and I could say classic because I want to. So it's the movie Billy Madison. Has anybody ever seen that movie? So it's a pretty funny movie with Adam Sandler in it. He's kind of a, you know, a rich kid who's trying to do some things to get, his, get control of his dad's business, but he has to prove that he's smart, right? So I'm going to spoil the movie, just so you know, but I figure it's over 25 years, so that's fine. Um, so at the end of the movie, Billy Madison, who's Adam Sandler, was competing in a contest against his kind of rival for this business. It's the guy that like wants to take over the business from Billy's dad. This guy is a complete sleazeball. You know from the beginning he's just unethical and just a bad guy. He is the villain, right? So Billy is leading this crazy competition by one point. There's like one question left. And he looks at this guy who's like super shady, and there's all these categories for questions on there, and he says, business ethics, in his own Adam Sandler way. So because this guy is unethical, he flips out and starts attacking Billy, right? So then there's this like crazy wrestler guy that like comes in and tackles 
uh, the, the bad guy, and then he gets kind of beat up and is laying on the floor, and then the bad guy like pulls out his gun, points it at Billy, and you're like, oh no, this is the end, but of course you know the movie's going to have a happy ending. Then like all of a sudden, from the back of the room, you see Steve Buscemi, you know, creepy as he is in every single movie, pull out his rifle, take a shot, shoot this guy in the butt, knock him down, and then, you know, everything is all happy. And then he, like, smiles and walks away. And then all you, <laughs> you see Billy Madison say, I'm glad I called that guy. And that's also one of my favorite lines in a movie. Earlier in the movie, Billy was, like, going back and apologizing to people that he had done wrong in the past because he felt that, hey, I was a jerk when I was a kid. I was a jerk as an adult. I need to go back and apologize to people that I was mean to. So he calls this guy. Come to find out the guy like had a hit list and he like crossed Billy off. But it was the power of Billy's words, whether it was positive or negative, that influenced the situation. The negative influence caused this guy to want to take Billy Madison out. The other side, when Billy called him and apologized, flipped it to a positive and said, hey, like this guy isn't so bad after all. Thank you for apologizing. So words can change things so quickly. They can move things back and forth. They can reconcile a situation or cause one to be bad. So, of course, we all understand that our tongue has power. We get it. I don't think there's anybody in here that didn't know that. So, as they say in Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. And we have to wield the weapon of our tongue with care. We have to. It's so important. So that's it, right? No, you're right. So verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We as humans have been able to tame so many animals, even cats, mostly. If anybody has a cat, you know that. I don't have cats because I'm allergic, but I'm used to and I know how they can be. So the Bible says that even the tongue can't be tamed by humans. No matter how good we are, how smart we are, how anything we are, we can't do it. We just can't. Think of the tongue as restless and full of poison. Like, you know those puffer fish that, like, they puff up and, and spike you and poison you and kill you, right? We've even learned how to tame those, in a way, because people eat those, and they don't get poisoned. Even something that just insane that's on Earth, we've been able to take care of. But our tongue, we haven't. We can even take, like, the venom out of snakes so they can't, you know, poison us or venom us when they bite us. I don't know what the right word is there. We can do all this, but we cannot control our tongue. We just can't do it. So finally, we get to the real stinger at the end of this. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Man, that kind of hurts, doesn't it? Like, 
we're in here, we're singing to Jesus and praising him, and then we might leave here and cuss somebody out in traffic on the way home because they cut us off. Same, same thing. Our tongues are capable of great things. They really are. They're also capable of the most horrific things you can imagine. Think about it. Can you think of anything that's horrible that a human being has ever done that hasn't been influenced by the tongue? You probably can't. Wars have started and ended with what someone has said. Movements, great and terrible, have been driven by the rudder that's our tongue. A small part of our body influences and changes the course of history. Even today, what we have done here, everything we've done in this building today, has been influenced by our tongue. I mean, we couldn't sing without our tongues. We maybe could, but it would be a little weird. Uh, I, I can't talk to you without my tongue. I just I can't. It's not possible. So what I also want to do is I want to call out an elephant in the room. So I, I know it could be pretty dangerous to bring it up, but I feel like it's necessary. So everything that happened a couple weeks ago, January 6th, in Washington, D.C., completely influenced by a tongue, completely influenced by tongues in general. People were driven to commit violence because of tongues. What I don't want you to hear me saying, because I know this can be something that is divisive. It can be something where people are one way or another about it. What I don't want you to hear me saying is that I'm placing blame on any specific person or group of people. What I'm placing blame on is the tongue. It caused this stuff to happen. The tongue. On the flip side, what I want you to hear. I want, I want to tell you about my experience with that situation a little bit. So I'm sitting at work, and, and I'm a person, I was, I was in high school when 9-11 happened. So I can remember how I felt that day. I can remember how freaked out I was when I was sitting at home because we had tests that day at school that I didn't have to go in for right away. How I felt and how scared I was, like, what is going to happen next? Where are we going to end up? When is this going to end? What the heck is happening? I kind of felt the same way on January 6th. It's a different situation, but I'm getting alerts on my phone saying there's people in the Capitol building of the United States that aren't supposed to be there. There is violence happening in our country. What is going on? And I'm trying to work the rest of the day, like, thinking about what is going to happen with this? Where are we going to end up? When is this going to end? How is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect other people? And, and, and I, was, I was scared. So I did something that night that I've never done before in my life. Maybe you have, and good for you. I, I turned on CBS News, and I listened to Congress talking. I am not a person that turns on C-SPAN and tries to watch them vote on things. It's just not something I'm interested in. Great if you are. But regardless of what these people believe or think, I was as equally encouraged by what these people had to say as I was freaked out and sad by what happened before. So again, I am not a person that is super political. I'm not. But I can't go without talking about this. Because 
what I saw in that time was people, whether they were Republicans or Democrats, coming together and understanding, hey, this kind of violence, this kind of stuff that has happened from our tongues collectively, whether they're one person's or more people, is not acceptable. And we can't have that kind of division anymore. We can't, because we can't afford it. That is the power of a tongue. I was inspired by what those people had to say that day. I, I, again, I have no idea what all these people stand for. You could tell me, and that's fine, like, and, I, and I get it. I get it that people have strong political beliefs, and I respect that and encourage it. It's great to have them. I really do. But those words that those people had to say that day meant a lot to me. They really, really did. And, and so, as a leader, for me, as a leader in business, as a leader in my home, as a leader here at Vineyard Westside, I know that my words carry a lot of weight. I know they do. And, and I, I agonized over even talking about what happened a couple weeks ago. I really did, because I know it's so important. It's important to all of you. It's important to me. What I know is that it's not cocky, it's not conceited. My words carry power. They do. People look to leaders. They look to teachers. They look to people standing on a stage in front of them talking to them about stuff. They do. So I can drag my team down at work by complaining about how hard things are and how their job is really hard right now and how my job's hard and I'm getting yelled at and called all kinds of names. I can do that, right? And it might be true, but is that gonna help them? Absolutely not. It's not at all. What I can do is I can build them up and say, hey, let's get through this together. Let's work on this. Let's go to a new place. Let's get better. Let's make this better. That's a way better thing to do. I don't think anybody in here would disagree with having a leader at your job stand in front of you and say, hey, I know it's really hard right now, but let's work together. Let's get in this together and let's get through it. Even though the situation doesn't change, you feel better about it. You just do. The words can change the direction of the ship, even if the storm's still there. So we are coming into a week. Wednesday is inauguration of a new president. It's super divisive. I know some of you in here are really upset about it. I know some of you in here might be really excited about it. Regardless of how you feel about it, we need to pray about it. We have to, because this is a time that's pivotal. This is a time that's difficult. This is something that is a change, right? Are there going to be people that go places and speak out and protest and march? Absolutely. That's fine. It's great. That's part of what makes our country what it is. But what I ask you to pray for is peace. People can say what they want. People can be there. People can disagree. That is awesome. You know, if you and I sat down sometime and talked, I bet we would find things we disagree on. But at the end of the day, I would pray for peace in that conversation and relationship. That's what I want. I don't want people to be quiet. I want us to be peaceful and talk about things. Words matter. Once you say something, you can't take it back. It's out there. Even if you apologize or say, oh, I didn't really mean it, it's there. It happened. You said it. So 
I know some of you in here are in the legal profession, so forgive me if this isn't real at all because it's from TV. It's like when you're watching a court show and the attorney says something they're not supposed to say and they're like, blah, blah, and all yelling and screaming and they're testifying and, the and then somebody objects to it and the judge like, the jury will disregard and you hear the guy in the background go, no, they won't. It's like that. They can't forget it because they've heard it, right? It's the same thing with what we say, oh, I didn't mean it. Well, you said it. So where do we go from here? How can we be better with what we say to each other? It's very, very clear that our words matter. Can't dispute that. I don't think James was unclear. So I played a joke on John Becker a little bit before uh, this, this lesson I told him. I sent that song, you know, be careful little eyes what you hear, or hear, be careful little eyes what you see, ears what you hear, mouth what you say. And I said, John, can you, like, can you guys play this song on Sunday? And he like texted me back on Thursday. He was like, oh, are you, were you serious? I'm like, no, John, I was not serious. <laughs> so, but I want you to understand what we see, hear, and say matter. It's garbage in, garbage out. What you put in is what's gonna come out, period. I want you to strongly consider what you put in because that's gonna affect what comes out. Things you expose your eyes to, they're gonna come out of your mouth. Careful of what you watch on TV, the movies you see, the books you read, the websites you visit on the internet. Those things do affect you, whether you think they do or not. Things you listen to are gonna come out of your tongue. Careful the music you listen to. I don't listen to tons of Christian music, it's just not something that I'm like, ah, oh, I get so excited about, I just, I just don't. But you know what, when it happens when I do, I feel better. Like, it, it just makes me feel better. We spent a bunch of time on Friday at our house, like, dancing around the kitchen with our kids, listening to the Christian station on Sirius Radio, and they were having so much fun, and even our three-year-old Ezra was, like, singing along with the words, and I was like, man, I don't like this song, but my kids are hearing about Jesus through it, and that's super important. That's really cool. Did you guys know that when you're not in here, there's music playing in this room all the time? We do that to keep good words and Jesus' words in this room to bless the room. So be careful of what you put in. At the end of the day, what you say matters a ton. You've got the power to do so much with what you say. You've got the power to lift up. You've got the power to tear down, to encourage, to destroy. You've got the power to make your kids feel awesome, and you have the power to bring them to tears at the drop of a hat. You've got the power to make your spouse glow or the power to make them dark. Use your words with care. Consider what you say. It's so important. I'm going to leave you with one last verse. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We need to chew on that this week and, and really consider what you're saying. That, that's the challenge I want to put out to you is take the words you're going to say and pull them back and consider the power they have to give life or to create death. So I'm going to pray and we'll be done. God, thank you for today and uh, thank you for the time that we could spend together. I, I pray that the words that came from me were words from you and not from me. Because you know and everyone knows that I, I'm, I'm a man. I'm not perfect. I'm not you. I'm not God. And if the words that came from me were from me, 
I, I do ask that people will disregard them. I do ask that, that you take those out of their head. And, and I ask that you put in there what you want people to hear. And God, uh, I want you to keep us safe. It's hard right now. Everything is hard. And, and I want you to bring us back safely to this place next week and really help us consider what we have to say. So thank you for what you've done for us. Amen. Cool. Well, the prayer team is going to be over here. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.